Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing another message today out of the book of Revelation as we continue our verse-by-verse study through this amazing prophecy book. Today's text is a rather broad one. I'm going to only read two verses today. It's found in Revelation 19. I want to read verse 11 and verse 16. The title of the passage today is, The Future is Ours to See. And I want to begin reading just two verses. If you would like to follow along, I encourage you to get your copy of God's Word and open it to Revelation, the book of Revelation, and look at chapter 19, and I will read verse 11 and verse 16. So for the reading of God's Word, verse 11, the Word of God reads, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. Verse 16. And on his robe and on his thigh he had a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, as we enter this particular section of Revelation that actually begins in verse 11 and goes all the way through Revelation chapter 20 and even into 21, this is going to be a whole different section of the book of Revelation. It starts really with the return of Christ and the establishment of his millennial kingdom and then the new heaven and the new earth, which is the eternal state. This is a tremendous section of the book of Revelation, and so we're going to take it uh, and go through it very carefully and thoughtfully and look at every point of it as we have all the way through this tremendous book. So as we do this, I want to uh, actually, this will be a message of introduction, a message of overview to kind of lay out where we're going to go over the next several messages. And I say several messages, I mean several messages, because it's going to cover from chapter 19, verse 11, all the way through uh, to probably the end of the book. But specifically, this section that I'm looking at is Revelation 19, 11 through chapter 20. In fact, in that, we're going to see some amazing things. All the way down through chapter 20 that describes for us the great coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. Now, I know that not many people understand the kingdom. I understand that uh, there's, a, there's a, a different schools of thought out there. And I also know that there's books out there that talk about this section uh, in which they present all kinds of views, the premillennial, uh, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, and then the amillennial, depending on whether you're looking at when the return of Christ comes, before the tribulation, after tribulation, or when the kingdom comes. Is it... Uh, in the same kind of frame. So we're not going to do all of that. I'm just going to take the text and we're going to look at it. And I'm not going to uh, to bring about all those different options or the ways to look at it. I'm going to just present the way I see it in in the study that I've had. I've been looking and studying the book of Revelation and the subject of prophecy and specifically the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church ever since I have been a believer, which was in the uh, late 70s. So, I've I've spent a lot of time here, and so I want to just uh, present to you uh, as carefully as I can uh, and as accurately as I can as we go through this particular section. Now, think about this. Our world, as we see it today, is different than it was, say, say 20 years ago. I know that one of the very first prophecy conferences I had was about 20 years ago, and uh, so much has changed in that kind of time. It's been absolutely amazing. 
Uh, and our world is changing rapidly now. It's, it's changed so much since even in the last four years or even in the last three years. It's rapidly changing. But when the tribulation starts and the world has experienced the rapture of the church taken out and the restrainer is, uh, has uh, pretty much been taken away, uh, there is going to be major changes to it that we spent 19 chapters in the book of Revelation looking at. So thinking about all of that, and I don't want to rehearse all of that, but think about this. Think about a world where justice always prevails, where righteousness is always the rule. Or think about a world where there is genuine, true peace, total and lasting peace in the world, where there is real joy and happiness in the world, where there is widespread health in the world in such a way that if someone dies before the age of 100, or even if they die at the age of 100, they will have said to be dying as a young child. Think about that. That is going to be a really different place, if all that's real. And I'm here to tell you, it is all real. It is all really going to happen. Think about this. Think about how different it would be to have children who can uh, find snake pits and, and play with the snakes, no matter whether they are supposedly friendly or not friendly, or whether they're poisonous or non-poisonous. Think about having lions and lambs walk together, and, and bears and cows. Uh, the whole thing, and, and think about children leading them. Can you can you even see our world like that, where, if, for example, food is so profusely plentiful? Even though the globe now is experiencing the, uh, or will experience the greatest population growth ever, the world is going to be full of food. Can you imagine a world that is ruled by one person, the whole world, and not as a dictator, one perfect mind, one perfect will, one who enacts perfect judgment, perfect wisdom, perfect justice, or as one writer puts it, a perfect, perfect ruler. And then another one puts it, a perfect loving ruler. Well, that's where this earth is headed. You say, is the world going to get better? Oh yeah, it's going to get better, but it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Uh, there's cults out there that teach the world's going to get better and better and better until it just ushers in this thing called the kingdom. That's not the way I see it. That's not the way it's going to be. Think about this. The rulers of today, man, it's like we, we can't even trust the, whether it's the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, it's just all a bunch of politicians that are just saying what they need to say to please who they need to please at the moment. But think about this. Rulers and leaders and politicians who are all in charge would be saints, Christians. Think about that. Basically, no rebels in the world. Sin being... Uh, real, but sin would be in such a way that if there is evil or hostility, it would be taken care of immediately. Well, I could go on and on like this to talk about this, but this is where our world's headed. We are looking at this because this is what the scriptures portray for us, and it has to do with the world that is being described in scripture as the kingdom is about to come. This new world is promised by God in the Bible, and it is definitely coming. Oh, it's going to be after the tribulation period, and the tribulation period hadn't started yet. 
It's going to be after the rapture. So from uh, the, from all that we've seen in the book of Revelation, all of that, all of the destruction, the world is going to be remodeled, so to say, renovated, and it's going to be a different place in a different time, and things are going to be so different. There is, however, this new world coming. And it will be brought at the return of Jesus Christ. It will be a kingdom that likes of the likes of which men have never ever known or even dreamed of. Though they have dreamed of a lot of different things about the kingdom, this will be one for the books. It will be a true age of blessedness. This period of time has been called in Scripture under many titles. I love the, the one that I like the most, I think, is in Acts 3.19. It's called the Times of Refreshing. Or in uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 21, uh, the times of restitution, when everything goes back to being the way it was supposed to be. Ephesians 1.10 designates it as the time of fullness. Philippians 1.6 identifies it as the day of Christ. It is paradise regained. But the biblical doctrine of all this is really a doctrine about the kingdom of God. Now, I had a chance to teach in, the, uh, in a church in Alabama, several years ago. And that night, it was a Sunday night. I had preached a Sunday morning. And I told him on Sunday night, I said, I'm going to make you a, a, a promise. If you'll come back tonight, of course, you have to do that in Baptist churches. Give a little commercial if you really want them to come back on Sunday night. So if you'll come back tonight, I'm going to preach a message on the kingdom that will be right here on earth. And I'm going to give you some things I promise you you've never seen in the Bible. In fact, you're going to think I'm teaching from a different Bible if you'll come. Well, that night came, and the church was packed, and I, teach, I taught a message on the kingdom, just a very general message, kind of like an overview. It wasn't like I'm doing here, but it was an overview of the kingdom. And I shared some, some things that are just probably the most interesting things and activities of the kingdom, the role of Christians, the role of saints. And I said, if y'all have any questions, I know I can not able to explain all of this in one message, uh, but if you have any questions, I'm here at the front if you would like to stay and ask. I will be here as long as you are here to ask questions. I will be here to answer them. So, not thinking any would come because I figured they would all be too confused. But when I finished me preaching, the church, the church and people were standing up. I thought they were leaving. They were getting in line. The line went from the very pulpit all the way down the side, up one other side, all the way down the back side, and then out the front door of people who had questions. And I had people asking me questions like, wow, I've been reading the Bible for years. I never knew all this was like in there. And I never have, we've never heard a sermon on the kingdom. I've never heard this, never heard that. I said, well, I don't know why. It's the same Bible that that uh, I'm teaching from that it's the same Bible you're carrying right there in your arms. So this Bible uh, it gives a lot of information. It just takes perhaps someone to put it together, and we can look at this time that is coming that is called the kingdom of God. And so when we talk about the kingdom, here's what we're talking about. I want to just give you a little definition about what we're talking about. Now, whether I can finish this whole overview or not is not important. What is important is that I'm laying the groundwork so that next week we can begin looking specifically at verse 11 through 16 and looking at the arrival of the king. But here is the kingdom defined. Here's the way I want to define this. It is the, when I talk about the kingdom is coming, it's the literal thousand years. 
And it's not here yet. It will come after the tribulation, after the return of Jesus Christ. So it comes after that. So here is the way I would define that kingdom. It is the absolute sovereign rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ in person on the earth for a literal 1,000 years. That's what we're talking about here. So when we talk about the kingdom, that's what we're talking about. I'll say it again. It is the absolute sovereign rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ in person on this earth for a literal 1,000 years. That is the kingdom to come. That is where the world is headed. That is what is coming our way. Now, you might ask this question, and this will be answered. If we're going to be taken up in the rapture, which will be before the kingdom comes on earth, what will our role be, or will we have a role in the kingdom? Are saints going to be there? And the answer to that in the short version is absolutely we will be involved in the kingdom. Absolutely we will have a role to play in the kingdom. Absolutely there is truth, and there are verses of Scripture that I will be able to give you of how we are going to reign with Christ during the kingdom. So at the present time that Satan is in charge of the, uh, the, the earth, the kingdom of darkness reigns. Satan himself is the ruler of this world, the God of this age. But there is coming a kingdom in which, yes, you've heard it, Jesus Christ will reign both spiritually and physically. That kingdom is the subject of all that we're basically going to be talking about. And it begins next time with the arrival of the king. Why is he coming? Why are these names given like this? Why did I read verse 16 tonight? On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What does that mean? And why that name? Well, I want to I begin with uh, this, uh, just giving you uh, uh, basically six parts that I'm going to give you over the next six weeks. And uh, each one will be... Uh, Looking at, well, they may be actually a little longer than six weeks, but these are the six headings of what we can see tonight in, in summary view, if I can, if I can get there. Uh, where first is the arrival of the king, verses 11 through, uh, basically through uh, verse 16, might be a few verses that goes past that. And then there is the absence of Satan. Uh, that is when Satan is uh, taken out of the way. Uh, and removed, and then there is the assignment for the saints, and that is uh, their job and what they're going to do during the kingdom. And I'm telling you, folks, it really gets exciting. Then number four, uh, under the group heading here, that would be the activity of Satan. That will be at the end of the kingdom age and what activity we're going to see of him. Yes, he will be bound during the kingdom, but he's going to be loosed, and we're going to see that. Then you're going to have an attack. Uh, from the, the, the foolish or from the sinners or from society against God. And that is going to be an interesting thing to look at. And then you're going to have number six, you're going to have an awful reality as we look at the resurrection of the ungodly. Yes, they will have a resurrection as well. So that's where we are. That's what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. This, this day and we're looking at the arrival of the king. This is the first part. I will hope to give an introduction to all of these at this time. I just don't think I can do it. But the arrival of the king is one of the first things we looked at. And Jesus himself gives us this uh, in Matthew chapter 24, 
uh, verses 29 through 30, and you can read that on your own. I won't have time to read all of these verses, but that is a great chapter for looking at the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 and 30. You'll see that actual uh, verse or passage there that parallels Revelation chapter 19. Very interesting to look at. And then looking at his coming, starting in verse 11, uh, you can see all of this as we read this, and we're going to take a, a specific look at that next time. And so we're talking uh, about going all the way through uh, to the end of chapter 20. And so that's going to be a lot of things to talk about. But specifically, he's looked at in, in, in Revelation chapter 19, in verses 11 through 16, he is called faithful and true. He's called the Word of God. He's called... Uh, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Obviously, this can be no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's interesting because of the dynamic that we see here of the ruler that has just been dethroned, who have just been taken out of the way at the return of Christ, and that is Satan himself and the, with the use and the help of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And so we're going to see how that uh, his appearance takes care of that as well. But not only do his names tell us who he is, but his appearance tells us who he is because we're going to look at his eyes. We're going to look at uh, the crowns on his head. We're going to look at the garment. And so we'll be able to, to identify even more so who it is. It doesn't say in the passage, this is the second coming of Jesus. But it tells us in no uncertain terms uh, that it is absolutely the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it can be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is king, the one who has been given all judgment, the one who returns to establish his kingdom. And so as the inauguration of this coming, of this, of, of, to, to institute this 1,000-year kingdom on earth, our Lord will come down from heaven exactly as he said he would. He will come uh, when all the universe goes dark in a blazing light. In fact, the universe goes dark in Revelation chapter 16. And then the world is illumined with the glory of his presence in Revelation chapter 19. Absolute amazing backdrop we have. So who are the believers that are going to be with him that we see uh, in this? We, we're going to realize that he's got an army with him. Uh, I want you to look at that in verse 14. It says, And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. So it's not just one white horse. It's all of them will be on white horses. Well, who are these going to be following with him? Well, I believe the Old Testament saints will be there. New Testament believers will be there. Uh, we'll all be coming back with him. Remember last time we talked about the marriage feast or the marriage supper of the Lamb and how we're... Uh, the bride of Christ will, will definitely be all part of this. So at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints, uh, earlier he came for his saints and gathered them to himself at the rapture. Now he's coming back to earth and we will be with him. Christ's arrival and overwhelming victory that he brings at the battle of Armageddon. Remember, we're going to actually see this battle here. This is in chapter 19. This is where it really just, it just, it, it all happens uh, there's an angel standing in the sun, verse 17, and listen to what that angel says. He cries out to the, uh, standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, calling to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, come assemble for the great supper of the Lord. In other words, God is fixing to give them all they can possibly want to eat through the flesh of people. Look at what it says in verse 18. In order that you may eat, remember he's talking to birds. This is an angel speaking to all the birds. 
in order that you may eat the flesh of captains, commanders, flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. That's a command or a, a, an invitation to the birds. And uh, I've got some inf interesting information about birds that I can give you when we get there. And so that is a, one of the things we're going to see. But then Antichrist and the false prophet are going to have to be removed. There can be no kingdom if they are not. So the beast is seized, which is the Antichrist and the false prophet. The one that says, in fact, I love the way it says it here in verse 19. Uh, or in verse 20, the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence, meaning the presence of the beast, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Uh, admitting right there, I mean, this is, this is God's word telling us they deceived all these people. All of them are going to be and are deceived during the tribulation period. So Christ is coming back. He will destroy all the ungodly, provide carnage for the scavenging birds and the beginning of the kingdom. Jesus Christ will come and reign. The form of government will be a theocracy. God will rule by Jesus Christ. And of course, I realize I'm going to expound on all of this and share so many things. The Bible is rich in giving us information about this. It's actually going to be quite amazing to look at this because there is so much there. I have uh, just kind of jotted down some titles and things of all that I could do during the, uh, the just if I just taught just a series on the kingdom and the activities and roles and responsibilities and people during the kingdom. I came up with 22 sermons that I could do. If I wanted to do it like that, I, I'm probably not going to do it like that. But the absolute character of this kingdom, by the way, is described by the prophets. It's, uh, it's not a shared rule. It's an absolute kingdom. Isaiah chapter 2, it says, It will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of all, of all the mountains, will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God. And so... Uh, we're, we're going to just see those amazing things. But all that comes under the very first heading, the arrival of the king. The second heading is the absence of Satan. Now, uh, this text takes us down through chapter 20, and that is the removal of the serpent. The removal of the serpent. And I saw, and we can look at this in chapter 20. Um, it, it's just a, an, an amazing thing to look at. I just kind of have to try to decide whether I want to do to get into all this, but I want you to just look at chapter 20, verse 1, just to, just to read you one verse, uh, in chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 1, and I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the abyss, and a great chain was in his hand. Now, look at verse 2, and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, uh, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Boy, he gets him out of the way, doesn't it? So if you're going to have a true kingdom, God has to take care. He's already taken care of the unbelievers. Now he's got to take care of the, the Satan himself. He's taken care of the beast and the false prophet. Now he's got to take care of Satan himself. Get him out of the way. If the kingdom is to be Christ, the usurper has to be incarcerated. That's just fact, and we're going to see that. The ruler of the world currently must be vanquished. 
<clears throat> he cannot be around. There can be no thousand years of peace, which is what it's called, no thousand years of righteousness on earth while he, the great enemy of God, is there to cause havoc. Uh, so, with that in mind, he's going to be bound, and so that is the the the, the that particular uh, section will be a long section, but I, I'm going to probably try to reduce that by a little bit because we don't need to spend a lot of time on that. But then the third section will be an assignment for saints. <clears throat> Excuse me, an assignment for saints. That's going to be what is what is going to be our role. After all, think about this. We're going up in the rapture. We're going to receive our glorified bodies. We're coming back with Christ to reign at the beginning of the kingdom, and we're going to go right into the kingdom age and be with flesh and blood. But that's not going to be our condition. We're going to have spiritual bodies. Yet there's going to be people on the earth that will have regular flesh and bones like we have today, and we're going to be walking and talking with them. You think, wow, is that really going to be, does that actually say that? Man, there. wait till we get to this section and see how it is that we're going to be right there in the kingdom for a thousand years in our glorified bodies. Yet there will be a lot of people born during that time. Sin will still be there. You say, well, wait a minute. Didn't you just say Satan will be bound? Yes, Satan will be bound. But sin is not because of Satan. Sin is because of the heart. And so we're going to fall in nature of man. And so sin will still be there. But Satan will be bound and there will be people born. In fact, there's going to be a massive population explosion on the earth. And many, many people will not trust Christ and believe in him, even though he's going to rule and reign in person on the earth. That's amazing when you think about that. Yes, well, of course, when he was in person before, people didn't believe him. So that is going to be a, a, an amazing thing to look at, the assignment for the saints. There's so much I could give you now, but I want to wait because uh, this is just an overview just to let you know what's coming uh, in order for us to to just kind of think through all these verses and all these it won't give us all this in just these few little verses here of which we're looking at in this section because this section which is revelation chapter 19 verse 11 through end of chapter 20 is only 26 verses so you can imagine i've got to go to a lot of places in the bible to get all of this information which i will do but the fourth one is the activity of satan at the end of the kingdom age. Satan will be let loose for a season, it says. And uh, there will be enough people that who do not believe or constitute, that will constitute a rebellious army, it's going to call them, that Satan will collect in the very end, the end of this thousand years, to fight against God. Can you imagine that? How blind can blind be? How stupid can be? Can sin be? It, 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 for Satan to be able to get that many people, uh, Satan will, in fact, verse 7 of chapter 20 is when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison, as it says at the end of verse 3, for a short time or a short season. Absolutely amazing that we can see this like this and realize that the uh, Man, there is going to be a, a, a weird time coming when Satan is going to be loose. It, but the fact that he's going to be able to get an army to fight against God is an amazing thing. 
In fact, that's the next thing. Number five on this is the attack from society. They're going to have, bring a revolt. Satan will come out of the, to deceive the nations, which are the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. This is found in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, if you want to, you know, to look at that, beginning in verse 8. Uh, and the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. Wow, that is a lot of people. All of these have been living and knowing about Christ. Maybe many of them have been to the mountain of God to see Christ. I don't know. But then verse 9, they come up from the broad plain of the earth. Now remember, uh, in, the, in the bold judgments, the earth was flattened. All the mountains were, were crumbled. They, they began to be flattened. And they are no more, right? So the earth is a broad plain. And on that great broad plain of the earth come these forces of Satan and surround the camp of the saints, the beloved city, it says. And who wears that? That's Jerusalem. Wow, that is going to be something to think that is going to actually happen. Especially all that is, we're going to describe for you in the kingdom. And then to think at the end it's going to be like that for the unbelievers. And then the last thing we're going to look at is the awful reality or their resurrection, the resurrection of the ungodly, or what we call the great white throne judgment. Who is going to be there? Who are going to be the witnesses? What is going to be uh, taking place at that particular time? And uh, so we hope to give you that as well. In fact, I will give you all of that. So we have a tremendous interview, interview overview uh, here. I know I ran through this. I, I know <clears throat> sometimes I get accused of talking too fast, uh, especially when I get on the subject because it's <coughs> excuse me, it's such an exciting subject. And one that I could just go, I could teach for a couple of days on this with just having my Bible open and referencing the scriptures. Not any notes would I even need to look at, but uh, that just tells you how much time I've spent in it. And I can't wait to present this. I hope you'll stay with me and, and we can cover all of this together. But uh, understand that the resurrection isn't just for Christians. No, the resurrection is going to also be for unbelievers at that time. That last thing we're going to look at, the resurrection of the ungodly. Verse 11 in chapter 20 says this, I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no peace was found for them. There you have it in 21.1. Here comes the, uh, the, the destruction of the earth. We, we will take a look at even that. Uh, so this section is loaded. It is uh, absolutely loaded with information. And what I want to do is to try to be careful to go through here to make it as applicable as possible. I don't want to just be a data dump. I don't want to just dump data on you so that you're just taking notes and you're, or just being uh, your circuits being overloaded because there's just so much stuff. I hope that will not happen. Uh, so pray for me that I will have the wisdom to deliver this very timely subject, of uh, this broad subject, this one that I think is very... Uh, pertinent and relevant for today, especially as we see our world just getting so evil, so wicked, so different than the way we've seen. Think about, I'm a, I'm over 60, over, gosh, I'm over 70 years old. Uh, wow, I can't even believe I'm that old. And when I say it, it just, it shocks me. So, but think about growing up in the, say, the 50s or the 60s, if you're old enough to remember, this, or, or even the 70s and the 80s. 
our world has taken on so much change. Think about the technology that has come along. Think about where we are today. And then you look at the rapid increase of evil in this world and the absence of God. Oh, it's a, it is a absolutely incredible to look at. So hang with me and we'll, we will continue this. And next time we'll look at the arrival of the king. Uh, I don't know if I'll keep all these titles, but uh, that is the subject, will be the subject matter. But again, today that we are looking at the, the future is ours to see. All we've got to do is just pay attention. All we've got to do is just read what Christ has given us. Remember, the Lord Jesus gave us this book of Revelation to study. He gave it to bless us. He gave it because if we read and study this, we will be blessed. So that's what we're doing. We're doing this expecting a blessing Thank you so much for joining me, and we will see you next time.